When you're not picky enough about which landscaping clients you take on, it creates a ton of real business problems like stressing out your staff, which causes low employee retention rate. It causes profit problems and a ton of stress for you, the owner. In today's interview, I talk with one of my clients about how he's charging a consultation fee for the initial appointment and how that's helped him increase his close rate, attract higher qualified leads, and how he's balancing personal development, running his business, and raising a family. Andrew also shares how offering fewer appointment openings to potential customers actually increases demand for his company. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Landscaper's Guide. I'm Jack Jostis, and this show is all about sales, marketing, and leadership ideas for the snow and landscape industry. And if you're new to the show and you enjoy it, make sure you subscribe at landscapersguide.com slash podcast so you'll get an email each week with our episodes and we'll send you our top three right away. Today, I'm excited to interview Andrew Hardison from Hardison Landscaping, a design-build landscaping firm in the... North Carolina area of, he's in Raleigh and the surrounding suburbs. Andrew runs a very professional company focused on customer experience, process, and attention to detail. So I'm excited to have Andrew on the show today to talk about some of the processes, um, how he's charging for appointments, and how he's really balancing running this great company with a growing family and a, and a growing property too. So Andrew, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jack. I appreciate it. Well, Andrew, before we get started, tell us a little bit about Hardison Landscaping. What all do you, what services do you offer? Who are your customers and how long have you been in business? So that's kind of evolved uh, over time. We kind of started out taking uh, everything that we could, any type of work that we could, uh, quickly realized that I think what we excelled in was definitely going to be more of the design build Part of it, uh, hardscaping um, through a couple of e-hires of guys who knew how to do uh, more of this cool stuff than I did. Uh, we were able to start taking on larger projects. Um, so for as of right now, we are definitely strictly design build. So we're we're doing uh, kind of what gets us in the door is usually paper patios. That's kind of our bread and butter, um, but we do those surrounding landscapes and the other features around it as well. Um, been in business for three years, had the business for close to 10 years, but it was a kind of a side business, chucking a truck type deal at first, and then decided to leave my full-time job and, and, and chase my dream of the business. Well, so how is it going? Uh, you're, so you're three years into doing it full-time, really going for it how like how is it going it's going really well um this year especially uh, i would say since december of last year is when we really committed mm -hmm. to to processes and to the whole design build strictly you know not taking any project that we could get uh being a little bit more picky um with our projects and kind of knowing the type of projects we want to do um mm -hmm. it, it's, it's definitely taken off um since that point where we kind of committed to a process what were, what were some of the problems that you faced or challenges when you were less picky, maybe when you were just starting out 
when you look back on that time? The type of projects we were taking on were kind of ticky tacky, like little things here and there, stuff that we weren't necessarily like, we, we would get a project that would say, you know, installation of uh, some, some privacy trees, but like we would also allow them to tackle on, you know, stack firewood for them. And, you know, just like finding those things. And it's like, you can't really get a sense of pride from that type of work. I know that there's, and I'm not, you know, guys who are still doing that type of stuff, but there's definitely a need for it. I'm sure a lot of people make a lot of money doing that. Uh, but for us and for my guys and just, you know, I was trying to automate the company a bit too, to where I wasn't having to be on the job sites all the time. Um, so in order, we kind of had to focus more on, a you know, a better process and just a, um, uh, I guess, higher end type work. Well, do you, do you think that you could be doing what you're doing now if you hadn't done the years of the ticky tacky stuff, though? Um, that's a great question. I, I think if I knew what I knew now from doing that, mm -hmm. I think I could start a business now, but I do think those experiences led me to where I am right now. So, yeah, cause I, um, we're, we're actually celebrating our 14th year in business at Ramblin' Jackson. My seven-year-old son said, wow, you know, 14 years. And I'm like, wow, that's a really long time. And when I started, I did all whatever I could get you know whatever i could find and i kind of think you have to go th i don't know i don't know how you would skip that phase of building a business unless you bought one or or maybe somehow you had a lot of business experience before starting it yeah absolutely um I think if somebody out there wrote a manual, like do it exactly this way, <laughs> and then you were, you were to able to trust that manual and follow it to a T, I think it's possible. But I do think with, I think with all businesses, I would imagine you kind of have to go through that struggle to realize, hey, there's probably a different way to do this, a more efficient way. And, you know, something, a way that's not going to, you know, completely burn me out too. And going back to those kind of ticky tacky jobs, this is another thing they do, they, they burn you out, you know, especially if you're, if those type of projects too, client, some of the clients are typically, you know, red flag clients, maybe with those type of projects <laughs> that are, you know, trying to get you to, you know, wash their car and landscape their yard type of stuff. So I, I just think catering towards higher end clients and higher end projects is just all around. It's just less stress. Yeah. How, how tell us a little bit about your team, how many people work with you and what, what's changed in the last few years now that you've focused on a specific type of project? So we have four guys on the installation crew um, and we have one, I call him a project manager. Um, he's kind of essentially a foreman on, on the job site. The guys take a lot more pride in these type of projects now than I noticed when we were doing, you know, those ticky tacky jobs. Um, they've definitely, you know, I, I've noticed the guys, they take their own pictures when the job's done. You know, I'm seeing them sharing on social media, like, look at the job we did, you know? And so you can tell like a sense of pride from it. Um, so that's always great to see is if your your team buys into it and really cares about the work. And I think part of that is just, you know, they get to see the end result and it's an awesome project, you know? So it, it's hard to take pride in, you know, I'm, small jobs and stuff like that. I think it, it gets a little bit difficult. You get a little bit burnout from that, but to, to be able to, you know, go back and look at a hundred thousand dollar patio that they just built, I think it gives them a sense of pride. So. Uh, tell me a little bit, you know, you had a conversation with Robert um, to, to prepare for the podcast and 
some people think, you know, if I'm not working 80 hours a week, I'm not doing it right. Tell me a little bit about, are they wrong? Is that a bad, is that a, is that the way, do you have to work 80 hours a week or what, what do you think about that? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of buddies that have, you know, lawn care businesses and stuff like that too. And then typically you talk to an older, you know, an older guy who's had a business for 30 years cutting grass. He'll tell you if you're not, you know, again, if you're not working 80 hours a week, you're not doing it right. And I, I tend to disagree with that. Um, I don't really have the, it was kind of out of, at, so when I did, when I started my business, I was definitely doing that. Don't get me wrong, but I quickly realized with, I have six children. So I quickly realized, uh, that that wasn't going to be possible if I ever wanted to be a part of their life. So, um, I think that there's a way to go about doing it, um, without again, and that kind of goes back to being a little bit more picky with the jobs that you're taking on and kind of screening your clients and, Making sure that the product, and it's a little scary too, because I will say like when you, when we committed to these larger projects, these design build projects, you know, it, you don't have the leads coming in like you used to. Um, it, it's, it's a smaller niche, I guess you would say. So it, it can be a little bit intimidating, but I, you know, I just kind of keep in mind, it, you know, if I booked 15 jobs before a small job, all I got to do is sell one job to kind of com compare to that too. When I had kids, I, w I had a mentor who said, and I was working 80 hours a week or more sometimes. Um, and when my wife was pregnant, they, somebody said to me, so how are you going to, you know, manage your kids? How are you, how are you going to, how are you going to work this much? How is the business going to work? without you working 60 to 80 hours a week. And it was something I didn't really believe was going to have to change. And then once I had my first son, it was like, wow, I cannot, I can't do both. I can't have a family and work yeah. this 68 hours a week. And that was largely how I personally developed a lot of what we now do with our clients, like picking a hell yes customer and having a really dialed in sales process was born out of, like, I was like, I don't want to screw around meeting with people who are not going to buy from me. And I don't want to take on projects that are a waste of time or not making money. Like it created this urgency for time and, and also money. I need, <laughs> needed to make more money. Right. Um, so it, it's funny how those life things change what we're doing in our business. One of the things that you're doing that that I like is you're charging for an appointment. So tell us a little bit about the steps of your process from maybe getting a lead through your website or a phone call to getting to the point where you've got a design sold. What what are you doing to qualify people along the way? A lot of the screening process for our, you know, the hell yes customer definitely comes from putting as much information on the website as possible. I try and update the website constantly. Um, I've been having, I've had pricing information on there for the longest time. It's kind of changed a little bit and evolved as we've changed our projects. So it's gotten a little bit more generalized, um, you know, into tiers, I guess you would say, like a tier one outdoor living space. Um, and then putting all that information on there helps tremendously. Um, and then when a client reaches out, basically what happens is we'll have a, probably a 10 to 15 minute discussion on the phone. Um, we'll just talk about their project. I'll ask questions. Um, I'll kind of, yeah, try and get a budget out of them if I can. Um, and I kind of explain 
our process with them. And if they want to move forward, we say we can come on site and we can meet with you and it's $150. Um, when we first started doing that, it was definitely, it was, it was scary because, you know, a client mm -hmm. contacts you and you're, you're wondering, you know, and you tell them the 150 and I was kind of, I, I, I'd be honest for a couple months there before I really committed to it, I kind of went back and forth wishy-washy, you know, if they would tell me, well, I've got this really awesome backyard and I want to do a patio and I'd be like, okay, uh, I'll see you. I'll see you in 15 minutes. You know, I'll be out there. Um, right. But you do that enough times and then you get enough clients that are really, you know, they're looking for 10 different bids and you spend a ton of time with them and you quickly realize it's just just not worth the time. Um, so we started charging 150. Um, it's a great tool that I think helps to screen clients as well. Um, because I would say if, you know, a client is serious about spending, you know, 80 to $100,000 on a backyard, um, $150 consultation really shouldn't be a, a deal breaker, but there have been some, and I tend to, I just have to trust that those probably weren't our clients anyways. Um, so again, that's a great, great screening tool. Um, that's really like, I have no interest in really even collecting that 150. It's not about that. It's more just a little, a little skin in the game to just kind of make sure they're serious about their project because we, I want to be very serious about their project. And one unexpected benefit of the charge in the 150, um, and not only, screens clients out but it makes me i got when i started really doing it i got this sense like i used to go to these quotes um these estimates and if i immediately would realize that this is probably not my client because you know we all know you, you start, start right. a conversation within five <laughs> minutes and you, you just know like this is never gonna happen this isn't gonna turn into anything but you still um, got to give them the time of day and you still got to stay with them and you got to hear their whole what they want you got to take notes and to put a quote together so with this 150, when I'm at there, when I'm there, you know, speaking to them, I'm engaged, you know, I'm, I'm into the project. I don't want to just, you know, pack up and go home. You know, I'm taking measurements that I need. Um, you know, it, it made me, it, it, they get the best out of me paying for that time as well, because, you know, I know that it's, you know, at the very least I'm getting paid for my time out there. Um, and close rate went up a lot too. So I, it's like, if we, if I can, you know, if I get out there, they pay that consultation fee. I found that there's a very good chance that I'm probably going to get that project. I found that too in my own business. We started charging for an audit and that also allows us to then really focus on taking care of someone, right? So once somebody pays you that 150, like now you, you have some skin in the game too, to like follow up and like get the proposal to them and show up on time. So I think it incentivizes a lot of good things. And uh, one of my favorite marketing authors is Dan Kennedy, who has a saying that buyers are buyers are buyers. And I like the idea of getting people to buy something like the $150 consultation, because then it's that much easier to buy the next thing. Well, I already exactly. paid something and I got some value. I'll buy the next thing. And then, then they buy the next thing. And then hopefully a couple of years later, you're doing their front yard or whatever, right? So it, it it also positions you as an expert. So it naturally your close rate's gonna go up because they're paying to meet with you. They're gonna value your opinion and your design and your in, insight more than the person who's not charging and showing up late and not getting back to them. It's like I'm gonna exactly. I'm gonna choose yeah. I'm gonna choose that one. So so you you've mentioned you were afraid, you know, I, I like that you share that because I think picking a hell yes customer 
and starting to turn away work is scary. And then charging for something that, you know, you see trucks driving around that say free estimates, you know, it's like, um, and I, I love it. I mean, I have clients all over the United States. So there's probably somebody listening right now. Who's like, Oh, well, uh, I can't get away with that because I'm in Florida or I'm in whatever. Everyone thinks they can't, they can't do it, but I have seen it. I have clients in Texas. I have clients in Florida, Virginia, the Midwest, the West, all over the country charging for that, that consultation and, uh, seeing similar results to what you're doing. So kudos to you for, for doing it. What are, what are some of the other ways that you're growing and learning new things? Um, I just kind of trying to figure out this whole business thing. Cause I started off as a landscaper, you know, I definitely didn't go to college for, for business or anything like that. So I'm just trying to, I think that's really important too. Cause I think you can be the best tradesman in the world, but that doesn't mean you know anything about marketing your business. So um, I think it's important if you're gonna, you know, I've stepped away from the field, so I'm not out building this stuff anymore. So my job now is to to keep my guys employed and, you know, feed my family. And the only way to do that is to, to learn the stuff that I don't know how to do. So just a constant, constant learner. Um, we take it for, for my employees. Um, we take advantage of a lot of any kind of training opportunity that we can get. Um, definitely invest money in that. I'm very much so willing to, to send them off to different training opportunities. Um, just constantly reading and just trying to be better. Yeah. I like that. You're, you're, you're not only learning yourself, but you're thinking of your people on your team and sending them to learn new things is so important. I think from a retention standpoint, and one of our core values at Ramblin' Jackson is grow or die. So that's all, especially with digital marketing and business, you have to be growing. You have to be learning and trying new things, staying with current trends, reading business books, different things to, to learn the business skill, right? Not just the, the trade, right? Cause there, there are a lot of marketing companies who are good at marketing, but they don't run a good business and that doesn't help their customers. So I'm with you on that. And a lot of times, you're in the thick of it, right? You're you're needing to learn when you're like stressed out or you are working 80 hours a week or you are in debt or whatever, all these reasons that you wouldn't have time to learn. So how did you find the time, you know, going from doing this as a side hustle to starting working 80 hours a week? How did you find the time to learn and like implement these ideas? Uh, well, at first it was, you know, I would be up till I saw I would work, you know, on the job site. I had one guy when I first started my business, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a part-time helper. And then I would get home and I'd be up till two, three o'clock in the morning on my computer and my laptop, you know, sending out, this was before the charging for consultations, but, um, sending out estimates for, you know, 10 estimates and maybe I was going to get two or three of them. Um, and I just thought that was kind of, that was kind of the way that you did things. And then I guess, I just slowly realized that that was probably, there was a better way. There's gotta be a better way to do this. Um, but it definitely, you have to commit to it. You definitely have to commit to it. Um, and I realized also, I, I wanted to be a dad to my kids. I wanted to be able to be there for them. And, and they're the most important thing in the world. Um, 
so, but you know, you still got to make money. Right. So I, I realized that there's got to be a way to, to do all of these things at one time and give my best to all of them. And it's a, it's a, it's a balance that it's, it's tough to find, but once you find it, it's all worth it. I, I agree. How much time do you think, um, this has saved you having a hell yes customer charging for the appointment, following the sales process versus what you were doing? Like, I'm sure that there are weeks. I know oh, that man. there are weeks, there are weeks or days that require more of you than, sure. than others. But in general, like how much time do you think this, this has saved you? Uh, unmeasurable amounts of time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I'm here, like I'll do, so my day kind of looks like, you know, I'll get up in the morning and I, I do, you know, I'll do an hour or two of emails or whatever's required. Um, I'll stop by the job site. I think the real nice thing is that I don't necessarily have to do any of those things. Like if I've got something else going on, if we've got, and I need to take the kids to school and then I've got somewhere I've got to be for something that's, you know, in my personal life, I'm able to do that. I don't have to worry about it. I've got it automated. Um, to a sense to where, you know, like for, for instance, on on-site, consult, on-site consultations, we only do that two days a week and there's two time slots for that. So that was another thing too. It kind of makes the client, you know, when they see that and they're able to book it through Calendly um, or we can do it over the phone with them as well, whichever they prefer. Um, but when a client sees that too, I think they think, you know, they're thinking, oh, they're, they only do it, you know, they only do it two times a week. They must be, you know, I don't know. It gives you kind of a higher end appeal i would say i i agree i love that you said that because i have some clients who they are driving around all over the place at all times and spending a ton of time scheduling and figuring out drive times and i love that you've got two times a week i have another client in texas and they they do it two times a week and it removes a lot of decision making and that can be very stressful and like it just takes a lot of more emails. How about this time? How about this time? And it's like, these are the times that are available. And it's not like you're doing uh, emergency tree removal or something, right? Um, you're designing something for someone and they can probably wait till next Tuesday to meet with you. And it's like, these are all things as a new business owner, especially when you're starting out or if you're just, you know, financially having issues or whatever it is, it's very, it's nerve wracking to commit to this. So I can understand why, you know, guys that own companies stay in the cycle of continuing to do it because, you know, you just, you, you do see a hit to your leads and you do see a, you know, you're all constantly thinking, and I'm still, I still do it to this day. I'm constantly thinking like, is this going to be, you know, I know this is what I should do, but is this going to be a bad thing for my leads? Are they going to, and every time I find out that actually, a client wants to follow your process. They don't, you know, there's, there is some, you know, there's obviously people out there that they want to be the boss of everything. But I do think that when somebody contacts a company, I think they want to follow your process and they want it to, to run smooth. And it's just, it's, it's well worth it. It's anybody who's still kind of on the fence about whether it, it, it makes sense to do all of these things. Um, it definitely does. Um, it all, it all works out. Yeah, they really do crave that structure and guidance and and especially with something like designing a backyard, they really want to meet with someone who's going to have a process for asking them questions and inspiring them and then getting it done. So I, I like it. Um, Andrew, well, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. For people who, who want to network with you, how can we get in touch? 
Um, I am on Instagram and LinkedIn. I appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure and an yeah, honor. Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the conversation, send me a message on Instagram. Just look for me. I manage my Instagram. Send me a message. I'd love to just have a conversation with you there. And also, if you're coming to the NALP Elevate show in September in Texas, meet me and some of my staff at booth number 1110, where we will be feeding people beef jerky and uh, sharing ideas to help you attract more of your hell yes customers. So check out landscapersguide.com slash events in our show notes for more information about our booth and other upcoming live and virtual events. My name's Jack Jostis. Thanks so much for listening to the Landscapers Guide. I hope to talk with you next week. Do you like cooking? I, I, I mean, I do grill. Uh, I don't really smoke, make barbecue, but I do. Um, I obviously like to, to eat it. When you say barbecue, though, what are you talking? So I do smoke meat. I'm, I smoke okay. pork butts, and nice. I love smoking steak, actually, is my favorite way to cook steak. Oh, so yeah. I, have, I have a Traeger. Do you know how to make a Carolina barbecue sauce, like a, a tangy... It's vinegar-based, yeah. Yeah, I know it's vinegar-based, not molasses-based, but do you, have you ever made it? I have never actually made it, no. A goal of mine is to come to North Carolina or South Carolina and learn to make barbecue sauce Carolina-style. I don't think it's that hard. I, I don't I, think it is either, but I, <laughs> but, but I, I want to meet someone. Ah, <laughs> I want to well, do it with somebody who's like really good at it. That's like, hey man, let's smoke some meats and make some barbecue sauce. I don't know if there's like a master Miyagi of uh, Carolina barbecue sauce. When, when you meet this guy, remember this and tell, <laughs> tell him that I want to chat. Send me some, you'll find him on Instagram and send, send him to me. <laughs> All right, Jack. Have a good one, man.